buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I am very excited for today's guest. I've got Ali. Rizakos on today. She's a retired sales leader turned life coach, and she empowers high achieving men and women in tech to defeat their imposter syndrome. So we're going to dig into her story. I know that we're going to have a ton of fun and there's going to be lots of learning lessons in there. Allie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm excited yeah. to be here. I, this, I've been really excited about this since I saw you on KD's show, wanting to get you on here. And then uh, I had some life things happen and we had to reschedule, but I'm so excited to have yeah. you on today to learn a little bit more about your story uh, because I know there's probably a ton in there that people can, can benefit from. So yeah. walk, walk me back, like, where did your, where did your sales journey start? And then mm-hmm. let's start there. Okay. Well, we'll gotta go, we gotta go way back to like university for the sales journey. Okay. Um, I, like every other person, like never thought that I was going to be in sales and oh. didn't take sales, you of know, course. all that kind of stuff. I yeah. would expect but, nothing less. Exactly. Exactly. So <clears throat> my first real sales job is like kind of funny and a bit sketchy to be quite honest. <laughs> I think we so, all have one of those. You we have to. You got to start. Like you're not in sales if you don't have like a Something questionable sketchy. sales experience that still makes you a little uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah. If there wasn't a Ponzi scheme somewhere in your sales career, <laughs> like, were you even in sales? Um, so I were I I can't even remember. Oh, what was it? Called? I think it was called child safety, actually. So, anyways, I'll tell you the concept because it, that's the only way to understand it. So, the, uh, so I'm from Toronto and went to university in Toronto, but my parents actually live in New York. So one summer I went back to New York for the summer and found this sales job, and the sales job consisted of literally setting up a table outside of like a CVS or a Walgreens and selling child safety toys. And the money that we made went to like donating that money to the dare program, right? Like the whole, like, you know, people against drugs and for teens or whatever program. Mm -hmm. And we sold child safety toys in order to do that. So exactly. Like your face right Mm -hmm. now is like, I don't really Not understand fully what's tracking, happening. But... Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't track at all. So anyways, that's why I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was some kind of like Ponzi scheme in the end. Because anyways, the whole point of it, let's not get into the whole logistics but or, or legality even. But the whole point is like, 
I literally was like face to face with rejection every single day in my job because I'm literally stopping people as they come out of a CVS being like, Hey, like come over here for a second. You know, those people that you absolutely hate talking to. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but like, I was miraculously like good at it. Like I was like one of our top sellers, which is like somewhat embarrassing and also somewhat prideful at the same time. And so that was like my first first sales job. And I was so good at it to the point that like my boss at the time who ran, who's like, the, you know, ran the company wanted me to like quit school and open mm. up my own branch of this sketchy company. <laughs> and I was like, I'm good. I'm going to go back to school and maybe I'll do a different sales job. But that was my first sales job ever. Mm. Mm. So I think, you know, the thing that I often hear um, with a lot of people's first sales job is learning how to deal with rejection. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's one of the toughest things of any sales job at any level, selling anything sketchy or not sketchy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. I think it's, it helps when it's not sketchy, but for sure. Yeah. I think as humans, oh my God, like rejection still hurts to this day, you know, like even when you, you don't even like, when did I, uh, there was an example. Um, like even when you don't actually want to be accepted by someone and they reject you, it still kind of stings a little, you know, like there's mm-hmm. just this like human need to want to feel connected to people and want to feel like we belong. So any rejection, I think puts us in this like, place in our minds that like puts us out of safety. Right. Do you you think that dealing with rejection gets easier over time though? For some hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I think that you just, you develop your own internal talk track that allows you to bounce back from rejection faster. Right. I think the state, I think there's always a bit of a sting, but the bounce back definitely improves. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I mean, I'm sure you still you know, yeah, I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking day. of a recent, I'm thinking of a recent um, deal that I lost, right? Mm. And I don't lose a lot of deals, um, mm-hmm. but so when they when it happens, it's like, ooh, yeah. yeah. There's that that there's that quick like punch to the gut feeling where you're like, ah, oh, I thought I thought that was you know, yeah. Um, and I I don't really necessarily care as much about losing the deal as much as like I want to know why. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I want to yeah. know, like, I really just want, like, I genuinely don't even care. Like if they've already made a decision or, you know, didn't move forward, went with somebody else, stayed with the status quo, like everything that we're going against as a seller. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that matters less, but I just want to know why, like, was there something yeah. I could have done better? Yeah. Um, I really want the feedback and most people don't want a lot of sellers tr- uh, have trouble asking for the feedback from the closed sure. loss deals. Yeah, I do. I don't. Um, yeah. but, but it's hard to get. It's hard to get. So what stings more is not the rejection of the lost deal, but like yeah. the people that aren't willing to like be real with you and give you feedback uh, on you know why they didn't move forward. Yeah, you know that's why I love selling to other salespeople because they're they are a little bit more like straightforward. So the other yeah. day, actually, this happened where. Uh, you know, I'm finding a web developer at the moment to redo my website and whatnot. And, you know, I found someone I really liked and ended up actually not going with him. 
but I, I was transparent with him the whole time. Like, listen, like it's, you know, you and this other person and so on and so forth. And so when I sent the rejection email, I literally like bullet pointed, I'm like, here are the reasons why. Right. Yeah. And I just felt so proud of myself because <laughs> I was yeah. like, no one does this, you know, yeah. like no one does this. And now this person doesn't have to go through that mental warfare of like, could I have done something else? Was this, you know, it's yeah. so, it's so such a gift to actually give that feedback. Yeah. It's, and it, you know why it's really hard for sellers specifically is because you can literally do everything right oh, yeah. at every yeah. stage of the sales process yeah. Textbook. And, yeah. and still lose. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough pill to swallow. But, but then your sales manager's like, well, why'd you think you lose this deal? Right. And you're like, it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like they don't want to hear that either. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. So all right. So you, you you didn't you didn't decide to work yourself up in the ranks of the sketchy Ponzi scheme. Um, yeah. And completed yeah. university um, did, yeah. was after that was it yes. another sales job or did you go a different direction? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so finished university and was kind of like, what do I do? Like my degrees in languages, and I was like, do I become a translator? I'm like, that sounds boring. So I kind of took the experience of like being good at sales. And then um, the other life experiences that I had that I knew was kind of unique to me, which is that, so like I mentioned, I'm from Toronto, but when I was um, growing up, I moved to Paris, France, and then I moved to New York, which is where my parents still are. So I had this kind of experience of like living in multiple places, like from the ages of, you know, one through 18. Mm -hmm. And when I got to university, I realized like actually how unique of an experience that is, right? And so, I was, and I, so I got to like travel a lot when I was in, in France. So, you know, I traveled all over Europe with my family and stayed at a lot of different hotels and so on. So I like conjured up this concept that like, oh, hospitality could be an interesting industry for me because I've gotten at a, such a young age, I've gotten to experience it. Whereas like some people don't leave the country until they're 18, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, hospitality and sales. So literally my first job was in travel sales. <laughs> which makes total sense, right? Yeah, of course. Why not? So what was, what was that like? And tell me about that experience. Yeah. So it was, um, so it was actually educational travel sales. So we were selling to teachers. And so, you know, I just, I always found jobs that were hard to sell because like, you know, first it's outside of a CVS. Now I'm calling teachers in a classroom in the middle of class. Like talk about someone who does not want to be talking to a salesperson. I'm just, I'm just glad that you didn't say like timeshares or something. Please don't say another scheme. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think the only, like whenever people describe like the sleazy salesperson that they despise, they typically go to the used car salesman. I think the only thing worse than that is the timeshare salesperson. <laughs> yeah. At least you get some free stuff out of the timeshare salesperson though. Yeah. And the good ones, the good ones, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but the good ones are at least like, Hey, are you really interested? Or are you just here for the free stuff? Like they'll right. ask you. They right know. Up yeah, they know. yeah, exactly. Good upfront contract. Yeah. Um, so sorry. What was the question again? I <laughs> So yeah. So travel sales, travel sales. Yes. Yes. Uh, selling into education. Oh, like, education yes, teachers. Right? Yeah, that's you what I was saying. clearly yeah. love a challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had to make it hard for myself, which like as a hyper achiever, classic, classic move to like go for the hard thing. Cause if you go for the easy thing and you win, 
not good enough, right? So, so yeah, I was calling teachers in the middle of their day while they have screaming kids in the background (laughs) and trying to, I was BDR. So I was trying to set up a call for the AE and so on and so forth. And like, again, I was really good at it. And I was like our top BDR Mm. and it was actually a contract role. Um, So it was like an eight month contract role. And it was a pivotal point actually in my life. This was like a moment where I really learned something about myself because, because I was the number one BDR, they were like, well, yeah, obviously we want to give you a full-time role right at the, at the end of my contract. And I turned it down without any other job because there was like this absolute knowing inside myself that I'm like, if I could, if this job that's supposed to be hard Mm. actually wasn't hard, and I'm already the number one rep, like what else could I achieve? You know what I mean? I was like, man, I could just take these skills and do something bigger and better. Right. And so I was like crying, telling my boss who I loved at the time, I was like, I'm not going to accept this. And she was crying. We were both crying because, you know, we had such a good relationship and whatnot. And, but I just had this like unwavering belief in myself that like I could do something greater. Not to say it was bad, but I was just like, I've already mastered this. Like, let me do something even more cool, even, even more badass. So I ended up going to like a complete startup, like literally like three people type of thing. Again, mm-hmm. another challenge. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I was like, there's, you know, kind of first sales rep type of thing, literally selling a product that didn't even exist, you know, <laughs> selling dreams, yeah. you know, yeah. And again, was like really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, surprise, surprise. I'm seeing a yeah. theme here. Yeah, exactly. Love being a BDR. It was my favorite job. And then, um, and then the company obviously did not succeed. So they had to lay everyone off. Mm. And then I ended up going to a hospitality software company. So keeping along that vein. Yeah. And um, I was there for, let's say, maybe a year and a half. And um, I saw a like LinkedIn ad at the time for Salesforce. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, I, I heard that's like, you know, a cool company or something. This was like back in 2011 or 2012. Right. So it wasn't that mm-hmm. big. And uh, anyways, I got a call back a couple months later from Salesforce. And then this is actually a funny story. Literally the only reason why I even went to like, so it was actually an event that Salesforce was having at the time um, in Toronto and it was for customers, but they also had like a section of the event that was for recruitment, right? To like, Mm -hmm. let's bring in local talent. Let's try to get them to work at Salesforce. And the only reason why I went to the event was because it was like a five minute walk from my office. Mm-hmm. And I was like, perfect. I don't, you know, I'll just like sneak out, like pretend I'm going to lunch, like pop in, pop back. No one will ever know. So if this mm-hmm. event was like, let's pretend like an hour away, I wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. And then I probably would not have gotten the job at Salesforce. So it's kind of a funny story of like these little mini things that you don't think are anything. But then when you look back, you're like, that was a pivotal moment of like, if that event was somewhere else, I don't know if I ever, you know, if I would have yeah. been at Salesforce. Well, even even further back, right? Like in that first BDR role, many people would have took that full-time gig, right? Like I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. This is what I wanted. Not Mm -hmm. a lot of people I think would have that like level of self-awareness of like, I totally crushed this and I can probably do more. Just like cake it. Yeah, exactly. I know. Well, that I, I attribute that to my hyper achiever in me that is like, can, definitely propel me to some success, but definitely propel me to like also inner torment (laughs) because it's never good enough. 
right? Yeah, yeah. There's high risk, right? But high yeah. reward, right? So, okay. So I'm curious at the Salesforce event, right? When did you know you kind of wanted to work there? Or you're just like, hey, it looks like a cool event. I think I'll check it out. Like, what were your intentions going there? At the time, it was like, I know this is a cool company. Like, I've heard good things. I definitely, it was the only job I applied to at the time. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, like, and what really happened was I went to the event and I met uh, a leader that ended up hiring me. And then I ended up working for her many, many times. Her name's Christina Smears. She's an amazing woman and leader. And so I met her and I just remember being like, actually it was funny. There was like a recruitment video and she was in the video. And so when I saw her, I was like, Hey, you're the girl from the video. She was like, that's me. And we just like hit it off. And then she ended up being like my hiring manager. And like I said, I actually worked for her like several times in my career, but I think that was like a person I was meant to meet in my career journey. And once I met her, I was like, I need to have this job. Like I really want to work with this woman and it paid off. She taught me so much. So what was, what was the first role you had there? BDR. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of went back because I, I had been a sales rep, but I was like, yeah, like I'm okay to start as a BDR to like really understand this tech world. And so, you know, I'd never had like a Salesforce caliber type of job until that point, you know, it was all kind of smaller companies till then. That can be challenging for some sellers, right? Where that are like trying to break into tech and they've had like a full cycle or a role or mm-hmm. in something else. And like, they don't have the humility to like take a BDR job yeah. to prove themselves and then, you know, sort of work them their ways up. Did you have a hard time with that? Or was it like, I don't care. I just want in. Yeah. I was kind of like, I, I don't care. I just want in. And because if I was a BDR, then I also got to work with this with Christina. So I was yeah. like, I'm down, you know, I'm totally cool. And then also because I'd been, I had so much experience being a BDR that like, Again, theme. I was really good BDR yeah. <laughs> at Salesforce. Yeah. Like I crushed it. So like that yeah. is a great way to start at a company, right? To like be really good right off the bat. Like that builds the foundation of your brand versus like, you know, sucking right away. Not that that's an impossible thing to get over, but like it definitely helps, right? Mm, that's an interesting perspective, right? You mentioned like building your brand like internally. Yes. Yeah. I don't think a lot of sellers necessarily think of that. Mm, oh, that's such a theme at Salesforce. It's all about your like Salesforce brand. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's a Salesforce thing. Yeah, um, maybe. I didn't know that. Um, all right. So basically it sounds like you met this woman and you're just like, I don't even care. This is a great opportunity. I want to work with her. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious on a couple things. One thing is you mentioned that you're a great BDR. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if, you know, if I'm the listener, I'm like, what made you such a great BDR? So I'd love to like hear a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. So at Salesforce, especially like, so we talked about this right in the beginning, right? Rejection, hardest part about being a BDR. Cause it's like every day, all day long. Like you, you know, the, the dopamine hits are so, so few and far between in BDR. Right. But I don't know. Once I got to Salesforce and like, I obviously, obviously such a legit company, such a legit product. Right. I just had, again, this kind of like unwavering belief that like, like how I thought about it was like, if someone didn't want to talk to me from Salesforce, like they don't want to talk to me and I represent Salesforce in this moment, like jokes on you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, 
I know like we have an amazing product. Like everyone uses us. If you think like I'm a sleazy salesperson trying to sell you like snake oil, like the jokes on you, you know, like I, I just had no, like I didn't, I never took it personally. And I never was like, Oh, like can't believe people are saying no. I was like, okay. And I just moved on. Like I just went to the next person. Cause I'm like, someone's going to say yes. You know, like it, it's an inevitability at this point. Like I work at Salesforce, like this is like, people know this brand. And even at the time people didn't obviously know the brand as much. And I was actually calling Canadian, Canadian accounts, which it wasn't as you know known in Canada, but I just like had this, yeah, belief that like, this is an amazing product. I know it is. And like, if people don't want to talk to me, whatever, that's their loss. Mm, yeah. So a couple things, like, seems like you're very confident in what you did and, and, and the product, right? Um, and rejection obviously didn't scare you. Mm -hmm. I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people in, in a role like that, right. Is they let that rejection mean something about them. Mm, Yeah. It, 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 they tie sort of their self-worth to their success or failures, right. Yeah. In a sales role, which is very Mm -hmm. easy to do. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the main thing is when that rejection really affects you, um, then that, that, that carries over into the next activity, right? And then contributes to like lack of confidence. And then like, it's, it becomes like the theme of the whole day or the week or the month or the quarter. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It, it, it totally transforms your energy and your energy is everything, right? You know, if I call someone like, Hey, it's Allie from Salesforce, like, you know, obviously that's not the most exciting and inspiring tone that someone is going to be like really excited for that call. Right. But if you feel good, right. Like you're feeling energized, like your tone is the first thing anyone hears really. Right. Like we all know that it's like only our words are only 7% of actually, you know, the whole equation. And it's really like your physiology and your tone that actually matter. Right. So it's like, that is your energy. You could obviously fake a tone, but at some point in the conversation and at some point in your day, you're going to be so tired of faking something. Right. So you might as well just like actually go back to the beginning of the equation, which is like, where's my energy and how do I can, you know, how do I manage my energy and what actually makes me feel good and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a such thing of having too high of an energy. Oh God. Too, yeah. That's true right? too. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a balance of like yeah. sounding confident and, and, and excited sounding versus too like desperate and young. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah totally. Tone, you know, speed of, you know, your words, all those things matter totally. way more than even like what the words are even coming out of your mouth. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So walk me through like, you know, walk me through kind of just the sales, sales cast journey. I mean, sales, sales force <laughs> sales journey. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I really want to get into like, you know, the work that you do today. For sure. Yeah. And they intertwine. So, so yeah. So in totality, I was at Salesforce for eight years. So did kind of a pretty traditional um, kind of sequence of events. So I was a BDR and then I got promoted to AE, which is like full cycle sales. And then um, did that for like two and a half years and then went into leadership for for the back half. So for the last four years of my journey at Salesforce, I was in leadership, went back to BDR. So became a BDR leader for two years because I loved 
BDR. And, and everyone thought like I'm crazy for loving it. But anyways, um, and then I did a leadership as well. That was like my last two years. But how coaching intertwines here is that when I first got promoted to AE, so this is on the, you know, on the tail of being a really good BDR, <clears throat> I was not an immediately a really good AE. I was like bottom of the dashboard, like month after month after month. And so to your point, right, it's like the same thing as like when you get rejected, like obviously I was getting rejected as an AE and like not closing deals and like no dopamine hits. And so like the momentum of like that energy was totally sucking, you know, sucking me down. And I was like just in a bad headspace and my mindset was all twisted. So at first I beat myself up and then I, you know, not actually, but in my own mind, beat my manager up. Right. And then I beat my territory up. This is all in my own mind, but like, you know, blaming all these things, myself and other people in the circumstance, like trying to find any reason to justify my own uh, performance. And when that didn't work clearly, because that's obviously not a good attitude. <laughs> mm. um, I finally was kind of at my wits end that I'm like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to fix this. Right. And yeah, as I mentioned, I'm a, you know, high achiever and it was what I really hung my hat on, you know, in terms yeah. of my own kind of self-worth, it was killing me that I wasn't doing well. And so um, just kind of serendipitously, I was talking to a mentor at the time and he mentioned that one of his um, past colleagues is a coach. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but I am so desperate. Like, sure. I will talk to her. Right. And in that first meeting with her, I was just like, I knew it was like a hundred percent. I'm going to hire this coach. Like, I just know that this is what I need to do. And I think the biggest thing was that when, for me, at least like, because I was like sucking at work, I, I felt that like I had to show up like with a mask on every day or like I had, you know, mm -hmm. like I had to like put, you know, put on a show of like, I'm fine. Oh, it's cool. But like inside was totally like, in, in shambles. And so when I talked to this woman who is obviously not at Salesforce and has nothing to do with, you know, the whole crazy world of Salesforce, I could just finally like be myself and like actually tell her what's really going on. And she was like, so non-judgmental and like, you know, just made me feel so safe. And I think that's a problem when you're not doing well is like you then feel unsafe, right? At your own job. Cause you're, you go into this spiral of like, I'm going to get fired. And then people are going to think all these things about me. Right. So I just like knew I needed that kind of relationship in my life, even though I didn't really exactly know what coaching was, but I just knew that was like what I needed. So anyways, so I went through her coaching program and completely saw a shift in myself. I mean, my mindset changed. I trusted myself more. My confidence increased because of that. And that all of that completely changed my performance. And I ended up, you know, finishing that year where I was, you know, started at the bottom of the dashboard and finished that year, number one on my team, you know, I made it to club or presence club, whatever you want to call it, but you know, hit like 150% of my number. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I can't believe that like, no circumstances really changed. Like I had the same territory, you know, like mm -hmm. nothing really fundamentally changed other than like up here, what's going on in my own mind. Right. And so I like, it was the, this aha moment of like, holy shit, like this is like transformational stuff and I love it and I want to be doing this kind of work because like I, I've always known that I love psychology and love helping people 
and in sales, you're obviously helping people solve problems and, you know, helping people, of course, but you don't get that same satisfaction of like, knowing that like, because of you, someone's life has changed and has been impacted for the better. Right. You know, like selling mm-hmm. CRM. Yeah, sure. It's helped a company. Great. But like, no one's calling you to be like, Allie, because you sold me Salesforce, my whole life is different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so I was like, okay, well, coaching is definitely that thing that I've been looking for. And so at that point, when I was an AE, I actually, you know, invested in coach training, you know, I went through this whole long process of, you know, actually getting trained as a coach, started taking on some private clients, just like a few private clients on the side. But then that's, that's when I made the decision in my mind, like, I need to be a leader, because I want to be coaching every day, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the whole coaching thing weaves into the sales story. Wow. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking through like the beginning of that story, right? Where you're like used to being at the top, used to totally crushing it and then dealing with not mm-hmm. being at the top, but actually being mm-hmm. at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. And struggling with that and then not being able to really talk to anybody about it, right? Because you have this mask or this sort of, you know, every everything's okay, you know, don't want to lose your job, lose your, you know, trust of your manager, peers, you name it. Right. Totally. Um, this is, this is so common for so many people. Right. Yeah. Um, probably questioning, like, I don't know, maybe I'm not cut out for it. Oh yeah. Maybe I'm not meant for sales. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but then taking ownership, right. For your personal development to then totally crush it professionally and sort of realizing yeah. like, Oh, it has less to do with like these sales skills and more to do with like just working on me. Totally. Totally. That's the secret. You know, everyone's like always looking for like tactics and tools and tips and tricks. And it's like literally mastering what's in here in your mind is the best thing that you can invest in, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me now coaching you do full-time now, right? Yep. Full-time at my own business. Yeah. How long have you been doing that like full-time for? Uh, So I left the corporate world March 30th and then pretty much like mid April started, you know, getting the website going and like getting everything, you know, really going. And by May was already taking on clients. So since let's say, you know, mid April, May of last year, of last year. And well, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this thoroughly. I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Before we close it out, just any final thoughts and then where is the best place for people to get into your world that, you know, just want to connect with you, maybe need help with some of these types of things, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that story that I just told is kind of like the um, birth place of like where and when I started to feel imposter syndrome, right? Which is what I specialize in now. So, you know, that experience of being at the bottom and not being able to talk about it and making it about me, you know, that's really kind of the essence of imposter syndrome, right? Because I was like, I'm not meant to be an AE then, like, I'm just totally faking this, la la la. And I had so many more experiences like that throughout my career, because I think it's, it actually is quite natural, like when you're doing something new to be like, no, I don't know what I'm doing, right? But you don't have to make it mean something about you, right? And that 
that part is the imposter syndrome is that you're making it mean something about you. Right. And so, you know, anyways, all those experiences in my career really showed me how debilitating imposter syndrome can be. Right. And how so not debilitating it has to be. Right. Like I said, like if we can just focus in on what's inside our own minds, right. Our thoughts, we can change our life. Right. A lot of people try to focus on the behavior as the thing to change, but behaviors, the start of a behavior is actually a thought. So you're, if you're focused on the behavior, you're trying to like change the output without looking at the inputs. Right. Mm. And we all know that in sales. It's like, you don't just focus on the closing of the deal. You probably got to focus on the discovery and the, you know, all these other parts before it. Cause that's probably where it's breaking down. So same kind of concept. Right. So a lot of what I do is really trying to help people understand their own thoughts. Cause really imposter syndrome is actually just thoughts at the end of the day it's not tangible you can't see it can't feel it. it's not something you you know it's just thoughts so um so yeah my my kind of parting words is like check in on your thoughts like start getting really really aware of your thoughts because if you can change your thoughts you can change your life and so that's really what i help my clients do in the end of the day um and so to your point where can people find me and where do i hang out i'm on linkedin post every day on linkedin content around imposter syndrome and thoughts and fulfillment and how that all works. Um, and it's just Ali Rizakos on, uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, I also have a weekly newsletter that they can find on my website, which is also just AliRizakos.com. Awesome. We will drop that in the show notes for everybody so they can check it out. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really helps us out. And you can also go over to salestransformation.fm. If you want to give us any feedback, we'd love to hear your feedback and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.